Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Columbus, Ohio, it's time for Columbus Business Radio. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Columbus Business Radio, and this is going to be a good one. Today we have with us Jeff Dixon with Alloy. Welcome, Jeff. Thanks so much for having me, Lee. Well, I'm excited to learn about what you're up to. Can you tell us about Alloy? How are you serving folks? Yeah, Alloy is a uh, small consulting firm here in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, We predominantly focus on change management and business strategy consulting, uh, essentially helping businesses grow. And just in the past maybe four or five years uh, where we've typically focused on Fortune 500 organizations, we've also expanded to now uh, working with uh, medium-sized organizations as well as a couple of nonprofits. So that's been kind of a a fun addition, but that's our primary um, primary work that we do. So, how'd you get into this line of work? What's your background? Um, you know what? I started at Verizon Wireless, and in the started out in kind of from a marketing perspective. Um, and I think I've always just been interested, even back in those days when I first started. I've always been interested in how the various departments work together. Uh, to really grow the organization. Sometimes you kind of sit in a department, at least early in your career anyways, and you kind of wonder, how is this making the bigger engine go, right? And for me, I was always trying to get cross-trained, trying to understand how does finance work? How does operations work? How does HR work? And um, and I think uh, sometimes it gets frustrating because you don't see necessarily how what you're doing every day kind of links to this bigger picture. Um, but that's kind of what inspired me to get into consulting, um, and do the work that I do today. So you started out in a, in a fairly large firm and, and spend a lot of your time working in those firms in a consulting capacity after you left, um, I guess the big corporate world. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was a, uh, <laughs> it was a little bit of a change. Um, but, uh, I've been doing this now for a little over 15 years and, you know, really, it, you know, to me, business, it was always personal. You know, this is where we spend a majority of our lives and uh, you want to make an impact um, for the better. And, and uh, this is, this is a way that I just love working with leaders that, you know, share that same vision that want to make that type of impact and grow their organization. And I think I've always kind of had an entrepreneurial side to me. So uh, kind of worked out, but yeah, that was kind of the transition from, from big corporate world to to small business world and then kind of back again because that those were the organizations we serve. Now, when you were kind of uh, on your own, now you're an entrepreneur, you're not big part of a big entity anymore. How was that personally to make that change? Because that talk about change management, you know, when you're coming from a world where everything's taken care of, there's help desk, there's a lot of resources all around you, and now it's you and maybe a smaller team and it's you're kind of doing all the roles. How how was that a change management for you personally? I th- I think it was you know it was quite the black and white stark uh, contrast really just because you know some of those like you said there's there's a help desk when when things go down and all of a sudden you're learning how to be the IT support you're learning how to be the the operation support you're wearing a lot of hats but to be quite honest, Lee, um, if just doing some of our, the research on our own, uh, we started to see that 
that's becoming more and more regular. I mean, it's becoming more the norm rather than the exception where everyone's wearing a lot, lot of hats. I think Deloitte came out with a study just uh, last year that said, you know, in, in the next 10 years, um, you'll be doing at least twice uh, to three times as many different types of jobs than, than you are today or than your predecessors did. So I'm feeling that one at one time, that was just kind of the, uh, the role of the entrepreneur that was wearing a lot of hats. But anymore today, I feel like that's becoming the norm for just about anybody that we work with, whether they're a Fortune 500, nonprofit, or somewhere in between. And that leads me to my uh, kind of a follow-up on that is how did you kind of develop this philosophy, this non-routine leadership philosophy? Um, is it based on seeing that trend uh, happening where at one point maybe um, in big corporate America there were people that were just kind of cogs in the machine, but now the machine's moving so quickly and no one knows where it's going and they're having to deal with so much chaos that that's really not an efficient kind of uh, philosophy to run a business anymore. Absolutely. In fact, yeah, non-routine leadership, really, that you're exactly right, Lee. That was the impetus of the research study. We were really just trying to understand how are organizations growing uh, in spite of this growing kind of non-routine climate that we live in. And when I say non-routine, I just mean unfamiliar and complex. You know, if I stare at an engine uh, as a mechanic, um, it might be a complex thing, but because it's familiar to me, I feel very confident and I can, I can handle it. On, on this flip side, um, if something's very simple, uh, like maybe changing, changing oil, um, in, in that particular sense, if I'm changing oil for now a plane instead of a car, all of a sudden, wait a minute, that's, that's unfamiliar to me. So, but when you put unfamiliar and complex together, um, all of a sudden, uh, we start seeing businesses decline at, uh, and really just because of that internal instability. A lot of people think of like the markets changing or competitive changes. That's what they kind of think of when they think of non-routine challenges. But in all actuality, uh, 80 to 90%, depending on what size of business you are, 80 to 90% of the reason why you're stagnating or not growing to the capacity that you could is because of internal non-routine challenges. Um, and that's something that we see every day. I mean, we kind of wake up in the morning without the playbook for the day. We wake up in the morning without precedent, sometimes not even necessarily sure what it exactly we're going we're gonna to be doing that day. Um, and again, that used to be the parlance of, of small businesses, but really today it's becoming, becoming everybody's business. I mean, if you look at uh, the half-life of skills, you know, we're having to learn new technology all the time. The half-life of skills is at a, a record lows, well bef below like a five-year half-life. Um, you know, 80, 80% of employees are saying, hey, they, they don't feel prepared for today, let alone tomorrow's demands. Um, so a lot of these non-routine challenges are taking a toll. And at the end of our study, uh, although we continue to, uh, continue to do research, um, you know, one of the most basic insights that we that we got out of that study was that this decline in business um, is not so much on external markets as much as it is on the leader themselves so we didn't go into non-routine leadership to think of it as a like leadership program like some may uh, we were trying to figure out how do we get businesses to grow more uh, consistently and stay with a more stable approach so non-routine leadership kind of started out as a study but it 
ended up as a program to help leaders, you know, grow their organization, their team, and even themselves. Um, so that's kind of that transition uh, for us. And it really transformed how we consult, it consulted, it transformed how we operate ourselves. So it was, it was quite transformational for us. And we're starting to see uh, quite the transformations in others, especially given the climate that we're in today. Uh, everybody seems to be uh, aware of how, how many non-routine challenges there are these days. Now, um, do you think that some of the challenges in larger organizations or, or companies or even uh, government that has a lot of bureaucracy, where there's a lot of people whose jobs are just to just, I just want to hang in here. I don't want to shake anything up. I want to keep things as status quo. And I'm very protective of my territory, my job, whatever my whatever I'm doing. And um, I'm I'm not really in for change or I don't, you know, I'm trying to retire in five years or 10 years. I'm just, just trying to get out of here alive. I'm uh, that, that large organizations are kind of, they almost, I, I, I don't want to say this, but, but maybe it's true that they hire for a certain type of personality that wants to kind of change around the edges, but doesn't want to do anything really dramatic. They're, they're more about um, evolution than revolution but with change happening so rapidly and technology kind of um, improving so exponentially that you have to be able to make sudden change like this. You can't – there is that, that world of a manufacturing plan and that model in your head of that's how business is. We can run everything automated and, and um, you know, with less thinking and just cogs in the machine, I think – for a lot of companies, that just doesn't work at all anymore. There's too much change. Things are changing constantly, and you have to be nimble. Yeah, n no question. I couldn't agree more. And, and Lee, I've, I, un unfortunately, I think we see status quo bias at every level of organization, I, I, including myself, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I mean, we there's there's we're kind of our brains are kind of associative machines. We like we like things that we can relate to. We like things that are familiar. Um, whether we're and whether we're honest or dishonest with ourselves, I suppose um, we all like a little bit of status quo. And, and if we're being honest from just a strictly financial perspective, that's where you find the most margins, right? So you you want to protect some of these things from changing every you know every day if you can. Um, but at the same time, to your point, Lee, like we can't uh, we can't rest on our laurels. Um, we have to constantly be learning, um, and and I think one one way to do that, uh, and one of the principles of non-routine leadership is is rethinking leadership itself. I mean, if uh, I hear all the time uh, this phrase "problem solving," I'm a great problem solver. In fact, in interviews, uh, we'll hear that too. You know, that's that's my number one quality. I'm a great problem solver, and that's that's kind of how leaders think of themselves. You know, they're the fixers, the problem solvers. And I think that's the first thing that needs to be questioned in a world where the problems aren't actually clear in the first place. So what are we solving? But all too often, uh, you know, we walk into a room and people are solving problems that they don't understand, that they, uh, that they can't yet um, really make sense of. In fact, one of the probably... Um, largest insights that came out of that study and really from our as well as from our uh, consulting work is that the number one advantage the number one skill in leadership today is no longer problem solving 
uh, it is now uh, what you might call sense making. Um, and that's just a academic term for making sense of non-routine challenges or making sense of things that are ambiguous and uncertain. Um, and too often though, we kind of treat it like it's just another routine. We go in there, we try solving the problems um, and only to find out that the problem wasn't what we thought it was, or, or we're just kind of, kind of back to, you know, my earlier pain point of working in a company where I was just kind of checking boxes and not sure why I was even doing it. So there is a, there is a shift um, that I think first needs to happen among leaders um, to get back on a growth track is to stop thinking of ourselves so much as problem solvers, although I'm sure we'll solve plenty of problems, but really to shift from uh, problem solver to a sense maker or from solver to sense maker is kind of how we say it internally here. Um, So that's a tough shift because you have to, it's not just about asking questions, but asking better questions and being able to frame problems a, a lot better. We're, we're used to solving them. In fact, we spend, you know, 16 plus years of our, um, of learning, you know, just on how to solve problems, but really uh, leaders number one job today is to make sense of the situation, to make sense of the problem. And that's essentially uh, what we help organizations do, whether it's through consulting or through non-routine leadership is to help, leaders make sense of today's non-routine world so that they can grow their organization as well as their team and themselves. So now do you find that leaders um, even consider a world where their company isn't in it? And then what are they going to do or what can they do to keep their company in this new ever-changing world? Because I think that a lot of companies fall into the trap of the assumption that we're always going to be part of the future so how how do we fit in? And those problems that we're solving is just the problem of, okay, how are we going to deal with whatever the chaos is in the future? Whereas you don't see kind of the incumbent coming up with the new technology. They're, they're kind of lagging that. There's some upstart that sees the world slightly differently and then goes out on this edge or even farther than the edge and then says, this world can exist over here. And then the incumbent all of a sudden is caught with their pants down that they're like, how did this happen? How did this, this even occur? Yeah, I, I think that's a, I think that's a great um, perspective. I, I would respond to that in two ways. I, once upon a time, I think it was the small businesses that were doing a majority of the innovation. Uh, today, it's, it's fairly evened out. And um, from a, from a research research perspective, small businesses are not out innovating the larger organizations anymore. However, just from pure observation, I don't have any research to back this up. It does seem like the smaller organizations have the bigger imaginations, uh, or as the larger organizations are uh, better at going to market, right? They're, they've got the platforms, the technology platforms and the operational platforms to go to market much, much faster. But I do think there is a an issue with how to kind of equip our teams to face a future that we don't necessarily understand. Um, I was just talking to a uh, a president of an organization down in Cincinnati. He 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 said I'm I'm extremely scared and not so many words that you know I've been doing this for 30 years and I wouldn't know how to tell the next guy to sell our products. 
because the way that I sold millions and millions of dollars worth of products, I can't tell them to, to sell that way. I can't tell her to use these strategies. Um, things are different. Um, and so uh, we actually wrote an article about this uh, on our website, uh, Catching Lightning, um, this idea of how to be a, a serial innovator in a, in a world where um, things are changing so often. And, and again, sense-making becomes a key component, the ability to scan, uh, scan the trends in the world around you um, without making everything trial and error. No offense to the Agile community. I think Agile has its place, but I also think we've kind of taken that, we've swung that pendulum a little too far where everything is all about doing and, and um, kind of delivering when there might be a better way to, to begin that process in a, in a way to avoid near as many costly mistakes. So there's a balance out there and, and I wish Lee, I had all, all the answers, um, but I do know that this, uh, just simply for from a leadership perspective to begin to th for leaders to start thinking differently rather than becoming those problem solvers to really be the sense makers to understand what clues to look for in your environment how to frame up those problems how to equip that next generation uh, to handle the non-routine those are the types of things that we uh, have been working with uh, organizations of all sizes to to be able to get past because it's it's not an easy feat. Um, I think we've seen remarkable improvements, um, and you know, especially in the world of um, growth decision making. What I mean by that is decisions that determine um, growth trajectories. So we're seeing you know exponential improvements in that arena, but at the same time, there's just sometimes to your point about what is that future. I don't have that crystal ball. I wish I did. Right. Well, I don't think there's an answer. I think that's the point of this, that it's the question that matters, um, that to just ask the questions, to get yes. people thinking, to start connecting dots, to seeing where there's patterns. Um, and if you're not even asking the questions, then you don't stand a chance. Yeah. And, and also, you know, this, I think even before uh, just the, the ability to, you know, the word sense and sense making it, it, it suggests that you sensed that there was a non-routine challenge in the first place, or there, you sensed that there was an opportunity uh, in the first place. And, and I think uh, a lot of us, because we get in the grind of the everyday and we do like our routines, that we don't take a second to pause and reflect and, and find that extraordinary in the ordinary or find that, um, that opportunity where people kind of have uh, fears and challenges. So, there's also a, a, a change in even some of our virtues, how we, uh, the kinds of things that we value and look for. Um, you know, I tell the story when I was teaching my kids how to drive, you know, I taught them very specific things to look for, you know, obviously look for that stop sign. That's a railroad sign. Look at, and I even taught them about blind spots. Look in this rear view mirror, look at that rear view mirror, but in non-routine, I can't give you the details because I've never done that before or it's at least very unfamiliar to me. So instead I have to use, uh, to your point of pattern recognition, I have to train my intuition so that in the heat of the moment, I'm looking for uh, abstract components um, rather than very detailed and finite problem solving kind of um, thing. So even how we sense the world around us, I think has to change. And, and that, 
that takes a while. I mean, training our intuition, because and the reason why I even say train our intuition is because we can't uh, we can't just be constantly vigilant. You know, every every single second of every day, uh, we've got to get work done. Um, but in those heat of the moment kind of situations, our our intuitions need to be trained to the point where we know exactly what are the questions. Again, I can't tell you how many times I walk into a meeting um, where the goal is unclear, the problem is unclear, the diagnosis of the problem is unclear, even or even options are unclear. We kind of, so, you know, uh, to start off with, I just suggest that leaders just begin to learn three basic questions, you know, or three basic words, wow, why, and what else, you know, wow, take some time to pause and reflect and, and see, um, kind of reflect on these tough challenges or even, you know, beautiful opportunities in front of you. Uh, just take it into, rather than running straight into the problem solving mode that we all like to be in. Um, you'll, you'll find that you'll notice a lot more and see a lot more opportunity than maybe at first. Uh, why is just understanding, again, back to the goal or why the problem is happening. What is the problem? Those types of things. And then what else gives you those types of options, right? We Too many times our blind spots is that it's coming from one perspective, our own. Uh, so what else allows us to kind of start thinking, um, you know, from other people's perspectives or just uh, you know, to get away from what's called the availability heuristic, you know, the very first thing that you think of, not only do you usually go with that, you usually think it's the most important idea. Um, I don't know if that's an ego thing or not, but for what it's worth, you know, what else helps us be a little more creative, uh, add a little cognitive diversity to the kind of situation. And they're real simple things that we, but I think it's because they're so simply that that's why we overlook them, to be quite honest. Um, so, there's a few simple uh, concepts like that that go a long, long way in, in today's non-routine world versus jumping right into the solution mindset. Now, you mentioned that you're broadening uh, kind of your target market on who you consult with. Can you talk about the pain that those organizations are having where Alloy is the solution? Yeah, I mean... For larger organizations, it continues to be, um, you know, corporate and business strategy as well as change management. Um, for nonprofits and medium-sized organizations, we tend to take uh, a more, you know, corporate approach. Um, if, for instance, we were just helping a a nonprofit that really had gone uh, about three years without really understanding what their product is. And that's, you know, I think your average person from the outside would just say, wow, that's amazing. How can that even be? Um, but, you know, from a strategic perspective, I, I don't think a lot of people, if they say, what, well, what is business? You know, they, they can't just kind of quickly uh, give a definition to a business. Uh, and if you think about it in the most simplistic form, uh, a business is basically the mobilization of resources. So understanding your resources, understanding how to uh, mobilize them to that uses your strengths. Uh, so we're able, we've been able to figure out how to help these smaller organizations in more bite-sized fashion, as well as just through this non-routine leadership course. That's been the primary, primary way that we've helped 
smaller organizations. We even have, and there's a uh, upcoming course that starts on January 19th um, for non-routine leadership. And we even have, we've got Fortune 500 representatives uh, uh, there. We've got government leaders. We've got small business and even solopreneurs, to be quite honest. Um, so that's an area where we can really begin to help uh, leaders with, you know, some of those fundamental challenges of just growing their organization. Um, so in some ways, it's not very different than the way that we help larger organizations. It's just that larger organizations have more moving parts. Um, and being able to do that with <laughs> less resources and less time for the smaller organizations is the name of that game for sure. So now are you also um, kind of looking for more consultants to teach them about this non-routine leadership? A absolutely. Um, yes. And I appreciate you saying that, Lee. Um, sometimes I, I, I get into these modes where I pretend like I've got it all figured out. That's, that's one area that um, we are, we're definitely struggling. And, and if your audience has some, uh, some great consultants, especially the folks with nonprofit and, small and medium-sized business background. Um, that would be great. I think we've got a real great team for large organizations, um, but I think we could use some more help in that arena for sure. And if somebody wanted to learn more and connect with you or somebody on your team, what's the website? Uh, Alloy.institute. Um, you can also go to nonroutineleadership.com. It'll take you to the same place. But, um, but yeah, again, uh, if someone's interested in the program, uh, as far as what we're using the January 19th class for is to, um, you know, help people just send one or two people to the course um, before signing up their entire organization or all of their, all of their leaders up at once kind of to test out the course themselves. Um, but so far uh, things are, um, things are going real well and we'll see, uh, we'll continue to see how, how non-routine leadership changes because <laughs> I'm sure um, we continue to learn from the folks that attend the course and as well from our own consulting experience. So, um, but yeah, it'll, if, uh, if you're a nonprofit, we do offer uh, discounts uh, uh, for nonprofits if they're attending the course. Um, and I think we, if, if I'm not mistaken, I think we have four or five seats still available for this particular course coming up. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for sharing your story today. Uh, we really appreciate you. You're doing important work. Uh, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me, Lee. It's been my pleasure. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We will see you all next time on Columbus Business Radio.